What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm an basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers speak basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Cranges McBasketball. And we're getting on this Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule for y'all, recording here Monday morning. Tim, we're going to talk today about the Lakers roster, uh, specifically their guards. We're going to try and go over the guard rotation, kind of what they meant in their role and how it helped them lead to a championship and what some of the Lakers options are for some of the guys who might need to be replaced because some of these guys, you know, have player options like Rondo and Bradley. So we're going to go over kind of what the Lakers were working with. Uh, first of all, we're going to we're gonna move KCP to the wing section to kind of sp- – spread it out because the Lakers don't have a ton of wings on the roster. It's like, you know, Kuzma, Danny Green, LeBron. It's kind of it. So we're going to move KCP into that group and hopefully talk about him another time. Uh, And for THT, we're actually going to have Alex Regla on for Wednesday's show. And we'll get more into detail about his his play this season and, and what he could project out looking forward. So... Today, we're going to kind of get started with, uh, let's get started with Alex Caruso. Um, He ended up being the most important guard in that, you know, he he was the one that got started in that finals game six. So that was for a very specific reason, right? That was the Lakers seemingly digging into their defensive rotation. And as we know, LeBron James and Alex Caruso had one of the best plus minus as a duo pairing this season. Uh, They work really well together. He's on an amazing contract. I think I said last pod, maybe the greatest contract in Lakers history. Uh, So what can't Alex Caruso do? Presuming that he will still get better to a reasonable degree, but where, where's his game going to land to where we might need to fill in the gaps around him? Yeah, so Caruso has some limitations. They, in a vacuum, if you're just looking at Caruso as a player, can limit what he would be able to bring a team as a point guard. For example, he's not a great playmaker for a point guard, and he's certainly grown, and we've seen him grow through this past year and compared to last season and the season before. But even still, among other point guards, he isn't that good of a playmaker. He's not a pick-and-roll operator. He's not making any sort of really complex reads. Making the most out of his playmaking a lot of times comes down to giving him simpler looks, pick-and-pops, or uh, attacking and, and facilitating for set plays. So that's the limitation he has. He's also not a great perimeter shooter for a point guard, but that's another area he's gotten better. But these two areas, just within the scope of his role for the Lakers... I mean, it's it's not ideal, obviously, but 
I think he's a good example of what you want in a guard playing alongside LeBron to uh, complement LeBron. He's kind of like that Matthew Della Vadova that, you know, wasn't the best point guard, but on a LeBron team, when LeBron's going to be taking care of a lot of that playmaking, he can do the right things that you want. Just like Delhi Caruso has been a very good defensive guard. He's an elite ball screen defender, which we see on tape. If you look at the second spectrum data, that shows it as well. He's a good on-ball defender. He's an elite passing lane defender. And, and we even have a statistic at B-Ball Index that looks at that, which is deflections and interceptions per 75 possessions. He's elite there. He's a guy that'll just hustle his ass off and win loose balls. He's an A-minus loose ball recovery rate. And he just has great offensive IQ and in a way that complements LeBron really well because LeBron is a driver and a kicker. And where Caruso is really smart is cutting off the ball or knowing when to be relocating during a drive or knowing when to be setting a flare screen. Like We've talked about pin in flare screens time after time after time. And Caruso's oftentimes the guy setting those at the right time in the right spot for the right player. So even though he's not the best catch and shoot player, he, he still does a really good job. He can space the floor and he uses his screening and his cutting to make up for those limitations. So there are things he certainly can't do, but his IQ and his hustle make up for that along with his role to give us some of that fun two-man data that you see. Um, and, and it makes me think that his impact and what he brings to the table won't just disappear next season because even though he has those limitations, within what he's asked to do, he's very well equipped. Yeah, it's as far as what he isn't, you know, it doesn't mean he will never be. Like I mentioned him, I'm assuming he'll get better because he has at every step this this during his career. Uh, but what as what he isn't is he's a perfect piece next to LeBron James, a perfect complementary puzzle piece. But then it, it's a little bit you have to mash the puzzle together when he's around other lineups with Anthony Davis, and they did a lot of stuff with him and Rondo, which really hurt the team in my opinion at some points because you didn't always have Rondo locked in on defense which Alex Caruso is great at so you had one you know perimeter player they were just targeting Rondo at least in the regular season and Caruso is an 82 game and a 16 game player and there aren't a lot of those you know so it's it's imperative he's still going to get a big role on this team as far as the guard rotation and um, it's just important to know what he's good at and what he isn't so that we can try and bring in some players to complement him as well as the rest of the roster so yeah on that note like he's the guy what he is is he's the guy you put next to LeBron James to cause chaos on defense chase around little guys around screens and expend his energy on that end of the floor and on offense he got so much better at, at being a cutter too on the off the weak side um he was always keeping the ball move or keeping himself moving um I thought he really improved at that and I think that's where he's going to be valuable next to LeBron James on offense for a long time you know yeah, in part of what makes his brilliance what it is is because he knows his own limitations. Mm -hmm. We see guys who are those 82-game players in the regular season, once they get to the playoffs and teams start playing them differently and, and play them and try to push them into their weaknesses, they'll just succumb to that. Caruso mm -hmm. knows he's not the best perimeter shooter. He knows he's one of the guys that is being zoned up against weak side as defenses try to load up against LeBron or against AD. And in the regular season and in the playoffs, he's overcome that and really countered what the defenses are showing by cutting really smartly, by setting those screens, by making himself most useful for the team, not necessarily in a way that'll get him the most points all the time, but in a way that'll help the team succeed. And we see 
see that in the impact data, even if you don't quite see it in the box score stats. And IQ, I think, is a it's a, a, a important topic and it's a, an important skill set that can mean different things for different players. Like Caruso's IQ is not Rajon Rondo's IQ, which in its own right is very important and, and adds value. But with Rondo, it's more knowing the teams, the other that knowing the plays the other team's gonna run, knowing your own team's playbook, understanding what to call when, where to get the ball, and and having a good ball screen IQ. Caruso has great IQ, but none of that. <laughs> um, but right. his his shows up more as an off ball guy. So it, it, having those pieces together and with LeBron, I think IQ in general is very good to have. But the IQ that Caruso has has great synergy with what LeBron brings you and all of those smart little winning plays that he's gotten recognition for over the past year. We've we've been seeing those. It's just his his execution, his effort. It's been there. It's now just his talent. I think has grown over the past season or so. That's really helped him take it take full advantage of the opportunity that he's had um so he's he's not the same guy that we discussed a couple of years ago as you know do we want him or do we want tyler ennis as that third point guard i think at the time Oof. i said i'd rather have ennis's shooting uh remember those days yeah, yeah. he's not that guy but, not but he even back then even when he wasn't as good of a player he still had that hustle he still had that iq and we were t- like one of the first things i noticed about him on film was man this guy's setting these flare screens that i don't see anyone else setting and it was so much more yeah. blatant in a Luke Walton offense where none of that was happening ever in Vogel's offense I think they've embraced that and helped lean into that so I'm really happy for him and and he has a role in this team thankfully he'll be around next year uh, but there are a couple guys that we may need to look to replace so we've we've been doing some digging on uh, some of those potential free agents yeah we'll get to them a little later I guess we could transition now uh, just leave it off on the Caruso point I guess I'm talking we're talking this way because He's such a good player next to LeBron, and you want to use him as much as possible in those moments. Well, that means that you probably need another guard to play with Anthony Davis. You know, I'm assuming that their rotations with LeBron and AD will pretty much remain the same. As far as LeBron comes out six-minute mark, AD plays the first quarter, LeBron comes in the first part of the second quarter, and then AD comes in about the six-minute mark there. So put that into the equation and you should probably try to find a guard who can fit with Anthony Davis running some pick and rolls. You know, that's not Rondo. We're going to put him to the side. We're going to talk about him next coming up here if they bring him back or not. But just that's all part of the equation, right? It's all, it's this then, you know, kind of, but there's a thousand of them contingencies wise. So yeah, let's talk about Rondo as far as the kind of player he is. Obviously, we were all very frustrated with him during the regular season, and he turned it off. I would obviously have no problem bringing him back, but it is up to him whether or not he wants to take the biannual exception, which is $3.6 million, or if he's going to take the veterans minimum again to just try to chase a ring and, and help this team. I honestly, Tim, have no idea as to which way he would swing as far as coming back for the minimum or asking to come back for a little bit more, which is well within his right as far as how much he meant to this team. So what do you think it's going to land with Rondo? 
I wouldn't blame him if he tried to cash in on winning a title. We often see that sort of attrition with championship teams where some of those key role players go sign deals for more money elsewhere. He's older in his career to the point that like, I don't think a team's going to sign him for anything more than a one-year deal, perhaps. I, I guess I'd say I'd be surprised if he's getting like the full MLE or something like that. Um, I certainly think he could be worth that biannual exception in terms of the value he provides. And if the Lakers signed him for that... It wouldn't like make me angry or upset because I think he adds that sort of value. You just hope he would take less so the Lakers can spend that elsewhere. But I would anticipate he he demands that BAE, and I would anticipate that we'll get to KCP with the Wings podcast, but he would be the type of guy that opts out and then is looking to get that mid-level exception, and then the Lakers end up with neither of the two that they theoretically could have this offseason. So... I wouldn't blame him. Uh, he's shown value on this team. His ability to get to the rim, finish at the rim, uh, create for others. That playmaking, especially on this roster, has been a, a big differentiating skill set. Because when LeBron isn't playing, you don't really have any other playmakers out there. AD can pass from specific areas on the court, but he's not the highest volume. He's not the highest capability playmaker. Um, KCP is not that guy. Danny Green certainly not that guy. Alex Caruso isn't that guy. So Rondo's skill as a playmaker in this environment on the Laker roster where it's very scarce has even more value than it otherwise would, which even when in the regular season he wasn't performing all that well, I was still having those battles in my head of like, all right, well, in theory, he should still add value just because we don't have that. And we're probably going to need that for the playoffs. Um, so I'm going to guess he he opts out and tries to get that BAE. If wonky things happen with the cap going down and there being less money available, the Lakers should still be able to spend that on him to bring him back. Um, so that, I think that's what I would anticipate. I think that's right. Yeah. So I think... Think of it this way, right? Um, Kawhi's been talking about how much they need a point guard. I don't know. I think Rondo is quite a loyal guy. I think that's one of the qualities that is important to him. And I think he stayed here an extra year, you, you know, because I think he realized that he he was being listened to by LeBron. He had he had an ear of people who matter, right? And that was clear with some of the stories Vogel mentioned since the finals ended. He's a big part of this team. Now, he could go to the team and fairly request for a raise for what he means to this team. And it's not being selfish. It's it's I provide a value. You know, if he's that important, I don't think this would happen, but the Clippers could give him the, their mid-level or at least part of it and outbid the Lakers and then he doesn't have to move. He's still on a champion. He's chasing championships. I don't think that's in his realm, but it's definitely possible because the Clippers need a point guard. But to your point, I don't think a lot of other playoff teams, high-end playoff teams, which is where he'd want to go. You know, he's not going to Charlotte. He's not going to Detroit. If any of these other high-level playoff teams don't really need a point guard like him, except the Clippers. So unless they want to honestly like poach him from us just to mess with us, which is also not out of the question, you know, kind of cut off your nose to spite your face, it wouldn't be the greatest move for them. So by all means, right? But it's an option and I could I so yeah, I think you're right though. I do think he will opt out and the Lakers will offer him the biannual exception, which is just one of the two shots the Lakers have this offseason, right? So it's important to talk about. 
Right. And if we look at just what some other folks project that Rondo might be able to get, and, and Bobby Marks put out uh, an article in ESPN today where they went through every single position, what their likely role is, and for Rondo they have him as a key reserve, and then what they estimate the starting salary would be. He was in the one, two, three, four. He, he would be in like the sixth through ninth, sixth through tenth range among point guard options in terms of how much money they're anticipated to get and they have him between four and six mil which would be just a little bit above that uh biannual exception it would be more along the lines of the taxpayer mid-level exception which isn't the full mla Mm -hmm. so if if we get him at the bae i I think that's a likely outcome. If we get him at the minimum, that's, I think, a pretty good bargain for what he brings. I don't quite think he'd be able to get a full MLE from another team, but I don't know. Like you said, there aren't too many teams out there that would be looking for that necessarily. But as a bench point guard, if he can do the same thing he did for us on another team where in the regular season he kind of coasts, he's more uh, one of those player coaches. And then in Mm -hmm. the playoffs, we really see his IQ come out to play and he's putting more effort in on the defensive end and can be impactful. That, That could have value on different teams, even if they don't necessarily need like a starting point guard right now. So if he goes out and he, you know, either picks up that player option or, you know, just signs a, a veteran minimums deal, I'll be surprised. But I, I I respect the hell out of it. I'll tell you that. You know, it's just like, let's get someone else in here. That would also signal to me that they have bigger plans. And there was a report that Polenka was talking about trying pair, pairing AD with a younger star to make kind of a big three. But for the biannual but, exception? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. no, for Kyle Kuzma in the 28th pick, you know, yeah. like, let's go. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about, you know, offseason moves. We're trying to rush through the guards here. I do think Rondo will be back. So let's kind of move on to um, what about guys like Quinn Cook or Dion Waiters? Uh, do you think that the Lakers should consider bringing them back? Or do you think they'll have a market elsewhere? Quinn Cook does have a partial guarantee, I believe. I don't think they'll have much of a market on this team. They're not really in the rotation. Uh in theory, I would prefer if there are any dart throw players out there that have a little bit more upside than either of these two, I would be looking into that at, at a minimum deal. Dion, we know what he, he's he brings you that self creation, but unless like things just really aren't working in the playoffs and you're just like, ah, we need somebody that can score, he, he doesn't really have a role in the rotation or if somebody gets injured with Cook because he's not a playmaker, he's not a defender. He did shoot well from three this year as expected. He is more of a spot guy in the rotation. Um, very good guy, great locker room presence, apparently, from from what we're hearing. Um, and I mean, he can play with being a shooter, playing off ball. He can be fine, but he's just not enough of a defender to really have a realistic spot in this rotation in the playoffs to the point that, like, with either of these guys, I'd be okay if the Lakers let them go. Um, but if they do keep them back, either way, it won't be incredibly impactful based on where they are in the rotation. Yeah, it's it's end of the bench stuff, but there's definitely better ways you could use your end of the bench than these couple guys. Uh, I know Quinn Cook and Anthony Davis are pretty close too. Uh, I you know this is a very player centric franchise, so people aren't just let go for better or worse. You know, just because maybe this other 14th guy on their team is better. You know, they the chemistry wise they. 
they might just be fine with with going back, running it back, right? Running it back as close to this full team as possible. Um, so I I wouldn't mind Dion coming back, but I do think there is a market for him. I do think when he played for the Lakers, he showed enough to get a couple million above the minimum from some team somewhere who could use a you know second guard playmaker off the bench um you you wonder if he got his championship and he's gonna be just weird dion again which is definitely a thing he's been in the past on other franchises so i don't particularly see dion coming back but i wouldn't hate it uh as long as he came back for the minimum Otherwise, it'd be kind of a poor use of resources, in my opinion, to to bring him back for the BAE or part of that mid level. Yeah. Um, so, I, I was gonna say, just if you look at the rotation, like, we, and we're gonna, the next thing we're gonna talk about is Avery Bradley, who kind of, I mean, he wasn't there in the bubble, but we now have to start asking the question, like, where, it, what is his spot in the rotation? How to, how does that guard rotation look? And then you have THT. Then you have the Lakers' late first-round pick, which they may or may not keep. Um, or no, I think we, we need to keep that, don't we, this year? Um, For contracts going forward, it would sure be nice to have a, another Kyle Kuzma. Right. But I guess my point would be, if we're thinking about what the Dion slot could be, if you're just looking to add someone else at, we'll say, the veteran minimum, I would be looking for a specialist. From a guard standpoint, I think we're set. From a big standpoint, assuming we bring back those same guys or go after the same skill sets, I think we're all set. With our wings, I think there's an opportunity to turn that waiter's slot into a good defender, can kind of shoot threes, wing defender, um, just a bench wing sort of guy. That would be the one, just at a higher level big picture standpoint, that would be the one type of specialist that I would look to add to this team to provide a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more uh, being able to morph some of that versatility that we saw the Lakers be able to use with their with their bigs that I think from our guards standpoint, if Bradley were playing, we would have had with our guards as well, where Bradley's more of the on-ball guy. KCP's more of the off-ball off guy. Caruso's kind of in between. Rondo's more of the on-ball guy. So there's a little bit, defensively, you have a little bit of uh, some flexibility with the skill sets there. With the wings, if you turn Dion into like a Mo Harkless and he's available either at the min or the biannual exception, then you add or, or a Mo Harkless kind of guy that can can kind of shoot some threes and play some defense as, as more of like a wing stopper kind of guy. I think that would be in theory the one type of role that you could add to this team. So that's where the the waiter slot, because he's he doesn't have the relationships that Cook has, from what I understand. He on court isn't providing a ton of value. That would be one of the guys that I look to maybe move on from if if I were running things. So uh, it's important to note that Avery Bradley has a $5 million player option, which is interesting. And so I, I think it's fair to say that there were times in the bubble that the Lakers missed Avery Bradley, but they came, they overcame it with, you know, Rondo stepping up on the defensive end at some points. And Alex Caruso's role being increased. You know, we did see Dion at some point. But, Tim, J.R. Smith did play minutes in the finals. And if Avery Bradley's on this team, he does not. You know, and J.R. Smith was an abject disaster this season. And that man got a championship. All, like, respect to him. You know, I'm not trying to hate. Yeah, I mean, saying. he shot like He's 9% washed. on threes He's or something washed. like that. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, you can use that space better. But 
Is $5 million a good deal for Avery Bradley? You know, he came to us kind of as a project. You know, he had great years in Boston, and then he bounced around from a couple teams just kind of struggling with the Clippers and with the Grizzlies. But I think he proved that the Lakers put him in the role where he was set up to succeed. And everyone I've heard talked about him glowingly and how much they missed him in the bubble. Um, and, you know, he, they chose not to go for personal reasons. I do think $5 million is not a bad option for, for Avery Bradley. For the Lakers, I I think he might be able to get get that somewhere else. But I think that's about what he's worth. And then the question for him becomes, do I opt out and risk making less mm-hmm. or end up in a situation where I'm just looking to make the same amount of money and end up with a team that has a worse chance at the title? If, if the Lakers were able to help re- revitalize him in, in some ways, if he has a great chance at another championship, if he can come back and prove that he can be a contributing part to a, the playoffs uh, for this team, I would be happy to have him back. I think that's about what he'd be worth elsewhere. I would anticipate he opts in, and that creates a tiny bit of a logjam for the Lakers with guards, but I think they'll be able to work through that in the regular season just fine and in the playoffs it hit him on the roster gives LA that versatility that we just didn't quite have. Um, and you don't need to have those JR minutes. You don't need to have any Dion or Quinn Cook minutes. That That's where I see Avery Bradley really fitting in and being, you know, if we play a team that has a really strong on-ball guard that we need to go bother with somebody, Avery Bradley mm-hmm. would be great at that. Um, in an in, in upgrade from either KCP or Rondo or Caruso in that manner. So he has a differentiating skill set, and we saw it on display this year. I don't know. He, he could probably get about the same amount of money. So because of that, I would if I were advising him, I'd say go ahead and opt in. Make your five mil. We don't know what's going to happen with the cap. There are other options out there that make it difficult for you to make a ton of money this offseason. Go ahead, opt in next year. If you can have another good year, more more games, more minutes, and in the playoffs, play and contribute. Go try to cash in after next season. Yeah, and I think they're. I don't know exactly who has the space for something like a, a two for twelve deal, but I could see a pretty good playoff team giving him that. You know, for with a, with a team option or something at the end of it, because yeah, you don't know what's going to happen with the cap. I think six million is still a fair price for them if not a little bit high but the other thing you have to consider with him if he opts in that it's if that is his value five million that's not a bad thing to have that's salary ballast at the very least you know that's something you can attach to a kyle kuzma to get closer to a 10 million dollar player in a trade and that's that's significant you know javel is in this category as well even though he's there's less of a log jam now with our bigs with with dwight being a free agent um at least bradley it's it's you have options either way right he doesn't he doesn't hold down your cap too far and if you need to you can get off of that money for at very very little cost to you maybe get a second back just trading him into someone's exception or something you know like what if they, they just traded him to the warriors for their exception like the warriors would be fine with that i i don't think they do it because it makes their competitor better but Bradley is the kind of guy you could see really having value off the bench there as a guy you can chase someone else around and give Curry some time off, you know. But, um, yeah, so Avery Bradley, I would not be mad if he comes back. 
but he has specific, you know, weaknesses too. Like if KCP left, Avery Bradley is not the option to replace him, right? They are not similar roles. Uh, Bradley's a far poorer shooter. So I know we weren't going to talk too much about KCP, but if if that were to happen, you know, that's not the option. And and KCP is going to be sorely missed, but we'll try to get him into him on the wings. So that's kind of it as far as the guards go on the Lakers roster. Like I said, we'll talk THT with Alex Regler on Wednesday. So considering the kind of player that the Lakers might need, uh, we talked a little bit about who could play opposite of Caruso, uh, and some Anthony Davis minutes. And if we're assuming Rondo comes back, who's the kind of player that that is on your radar to bring uh, in to bolster this Lakers backcourt. Yeah, I think you laid it out pretty well talking about not just the the position on the roster, but the guy fitting in the right lineups in the right piece of the rotation that we'd be looking for. Assuming we don't get a high-level guard, which we probably won't with the money we'll be able to offer, we're looking for someone who can shoot, can playmake, can probably get to the rim, which is probably a piece of that playmaking. Because, um, I mean, there are certain guys that they can pass well, but they're not pressuring the defense themselves, and that limits what they're able to create. Ideally, you don't have somebody who's a big weakness on the defensive end. Um, I really, I would be looking for a playmaker. If, if we are looking at free agent options among the guard position, my assumption would be it would be to replace Rajon Rondo. If Cook leaves... Which I don't. I think Cook will be back. If Dion leaves, I think you spend that spot on a wing. Uh, if Bradley leaves, I, I, you would look at a guard. But I don't anticipate he'll leave. So really, when I'm looking at these guys, I'm trying to find the Rajon Rondo replacement with playmaking, getting to the rim, and some three point shooting. And if they're a good defender, that's a plus. But they just can't be a big, big, big weakness on the defensive end because that becomes an issue. Yeah, absolutely. So we can get into some of these names here. Uh, there's some guys at the top. Obviously, you'd love to have Fred Van Vliet, but that's never going to happen. He's going to make his money this summer. Oh, well, this offseason. And the other guy that that's closer to the top of the list, who I think is at least reasonable, is Goran Dragic. Now, he's coming off his plantar fascia uh, injury. That's not a major injury, so that doesn't concern you too much. He is generally getting on the older side and has some injury history as far as like nagging things, making him miss time. But we saw how important he was for Miami. And that kind of player, I think, who puts pressure on the rim is the most important like kind of other quality. You know, the shooting, yes, of course, but we saw how important Rondo was getting some of those scoop layups on pick and rolls uh, in that Miami series that you need more of that because, you know, Caruso can only do that off of a kike. You know, he can't really do that yet on his own. So do you think Goran is kind of the best case scenario for the Lakers? I would say so. He, Van Vliet, and Conley are probably the only three starting caliber point guards on the market. For, uh, Dragic is projected, according to those Bobby Marks projections, to make 12 to 14 mil. Miami can pay him more than the Lakers can, but if he's willing to take a pay cut and make about 10 mil instead, 
he would probably be the best case scenario for the Lakers with that mid-level exception, just in terms of how good he would fit. How well, if we talk about a guy being able to play with AD, like thinking about Dragic and, and thinking back a couple weeks, the one area that we said, all right, here's how you have to defend Dragic because the other ways won't work is play your drop coverage, give up that mid-range jumper for him or the, that pull-up three for him. If he's playing with Anthony Davis and you play drop coverage, suddenly the pick and pop's wide open. So those two fit together really well in that way. He's a very good passer out of the pick and roll. He's excellent and, and really his key strength is getting to the rim. So I think that would just be an incredible fit. Um, he's wonderful off ball as an off ball screen sort of guy and playing in Miami I think helps develop that skill set. And then also just as a spot up catch and shoot guy. So playing with a starting unit, he'd be great. Playing with just him and AD with no LeBron, he'd be fantastic. Him with LeBron, he's fine. He can play on ball, he can play off ball. Truly, I, I think he would be the best the Lakers can probably do with that mid-level exception. It would be like him or Gallinari, and that's probably the, the top-end outcome that the Lakers can hope for. Hopefully, he'll he'd take, some, uh, take that pay cut. I don't anticipate it, but if he picks up the phone, you, you do what you can to probably try to bring him in, and I'd be willing to move on from a KCP uh, if he's demanding that MLE and you can get Dragic instead, and then uh, I, I think KCP or Rondo, you can probably find other replacements for. Um, well, he Dragic would be the Rondo replacement. I think you can find a KCP replacement at cheaper money, if and, and it would still be an overall upgrade if you were to be able to bring Dragic in. You know, I wonder how much if something like... <laughs> Dragic is from a, a generation of the league where the Lakers were winning titles, right? The La- Dragic has lost multiple times to the Lakers in the playoffs. And I just wonder if that stuff adds up. Like, we already know some some people in the league are kind of like anywhere but the Lakers, right? Some people are like, I'll trade you Kawhi for Jakob Pertl and DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, sure. Because that's totally the best deal. Sure. All right. So I just wonder if some of these guys are just like, man, I do want to win a championship, but like, am I really going to play them in the finals? And then, you know, there some guys do consider that. Like, he's got a family in Miami probably. You know, he's – I like Goran Dragic. I just wonder if he's not just kind of from a, a generation of these players who are like, nah, man, like I'll sign with anyone but the Lakers because um, that's kind of how some of these guys think. But that's just me speculating for fun ideas as to why not that might happen. I I love Dragic. I think he's the perfect player for this. And the injuries and the age kind of worry you slightly, but he's also an incredibly smart basketball player. We see how smart guys can fit on this team, kind of regardless of their skill level, you know. Um, so Dragic's best case scenario, let's, we strike out Van Vliet and Conley, um, other guys on this, uh, this list that Bobby Marks put out, you know, Chris Dunn's restricted. I don't think that anything's going to happen there. His defense would be insane. I will say he's going to be out of our price range, even if he gets renounced, but that would be a pretty nasty defense, uh, on the wing there. Um, and then next is Rondo, who we spoke about. The other list is this like group of three 30-plus point guards who, honestly, none of them do it for me. Uh, we got Jeff Teague, DJ Augustine, and Reggie Jackson. You know, uh, Teague and Augustine are definitely on the decline and, and limited in their, um, their abilities. But at least Augustine has like a plus shooting element to him. I want no part of Reggie Jackson. 
personally, but is there anybody in that range you think it makes sense for the Lakers? Well, t- tell me why you're off Reggie Jackson because he's someone I had on my list as a maybe, and and I can see the where he could fit. I can see where he wouldn't fit. What what do you see from him? Oh man, he is not a smart basketball player. I don't think he's ever been considered a smart basketball player. And if you watch the shots he took on the Clippers last year, trying to provide, dude, they were just trying to get like 12 minutes of relief at the point, and they couldn't. You know, when Brad, uh, when Beverly was hurt, mm-hmm. like Reggie Jackson hurt them. And I don't think, yeah, and the other thing is the defense too, right? If you're going to be a defensive oriented team, you know, you're going to play Reggie Jackson next to Anthony Davis in those minutes we were talking about. That that lineup for the Lakers sucked on defense. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I know his... But no, make his, your case. Like, this is what this is all about, right? Yeah. What, what? How could he make them better? So, in theory, based on what he's good at and, and how it could fit, he is someone that can shoot. He is someone that is a good playmaker. His efficiency is not good, but... He'll make play make from ball screen looks, driving and kicking. He'll be able to make skip passes. So he, he has enough tools in his tool belt from a playmaking standpoint. Um, he can get to the rim pretty well and finish at the rim well. So th- those are the three things that he does do well. He's a six three point guard, so he's not like a small guy. But like you said, the IQ isn't there. The other big issue with him is defense. And he's actually a pretty good ball screen. I mean, he's not a great, but he's he's a fine ball screen defender. He's not versatile. He's not good off ball, not good locking and trailing, not good on ball if you try to isolate against him. And we saw him have to like just go sit against Dallas at times because of that. Um, and, and I mean, Luka's a different kind of challenge. He's, he's pretty large. But uh, I, I see the pros. I see the cons. I can if he were to sign with the Lakers, I can say yeah, they sign him for X, Y, and Z reasons. Let's hope it fits into place. But I can understand looking away from him in favor of some other options because of that. One of the other guys you mentioned was DJ Augustine, who is a smaller point guard, um, pretty good three-point shooter. He can create his own shot, B-plus perimeter shooting talent grade overall. He has an A-minus getting to rim rating at B-ball index, so the unassisted shots at the rim he's creating for himself are pretty high volume at a pretty high rate. He doesn't finish all that well. Um, Not being one of the bigger guys, not finishing through contact all that well is a little bit of a red flag, but getting to the rim is, is helpful. As a playmaker, he's very high volume, but the quality, efficiency, and difficulty of those playmaking looks is actually pretty low. And this was interesting to me. So I, I dug into a little bit of film, and he will make some highlight plays. He'll make some highlight passes, but overall, bigger picture with Augustine, he is more of a floor general, run the set, make the right pass, more than go run a bunch of ball screens and find the the perfect pass and and be able to make all of those more difficult reads um he had f quality so you know he's passing to people and they're shooting but he's not passing the guys in good opportunities to shoot even adjusting for how good of players they are so that's a big red flag d minus efficiency he's turning the ball over and he is oftentimes dribbling the air out of the ball a little bit before passing off so there's a little bit of rondo there and then that d plus uh passing creation versatility tells me that he's not able to make all of the passes and and read the floor like I would want a point guard to read the floor. So his playmaking 
it's high volume, but I wouldn't want to just look at his assists and assume that he's going to be the right kind of playmaker that I would want on the Lakers. Um, as a as a defender, he's not active, really off ball. He's not really a disruptor. He locks and trails well. Um, his on ball defense is actually okay. His ball screen defense is okay. So he's another guy that like I can kind of get it. I don't think he's the perfect fit. I think I'd rather have Rondo. Um, but there's something there in theory. I just I I'm not a, a huge fan of of what he'd bring to the table. I think he's a, a Rondo replacement possibility, right? Like we talked about, you got to have contingency for every everything. And if you do lose Rondo, I think he's the kind of guy who can come in and have a facsimile of what Rondo is. The thing that's really weird though is that, you know, so you mentioned that Augustine's better passer kind of in sets, right? Well, the Lakers don't really run sets. Mm-hmm. You know, like even in the regular season, like we have a couple sets, but that's not really what we do. We have, uh, uh, why Rondo works with this team is with the way this team plays defense, they use improvisation as their offense, right? So uh, the spin backs, you know, that Anthony Davis and Rondo alley-oops would get off of the guy fronting AD. That's an improvised play. That's a literally a look they get each other. You don't really draw that up, right? And you need an improvisation element to the player that you're going to replace Rondo with. Because as, as, you know, that's the way our offense is like, good sometimes and amazing in transition and just like how do you defend this they're so big and running down the floor to we miss every wide open shot and our our offense gets stagnant because music improvisation can be amazing the most interesting thing you've ever heard and then it could be you know that cliche jazz like cacophony that you hear like in movies or something when people want to describe jazz um and so it's an interesting kind of like thought to try to replace Rondo because he's such a improvised improvisation player. But I think Augustine would push the Lakers into, you know, running some more sets, but and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, but yeah, no, Reggie Jackson, I want no, no part of personally. Um, so moving on to a couple other guys on, on uh, Mark's list, just scratching guys out that we're not really going to talk about, but that are options. You got uh, Langston Galloway, Austin Rivers as a player option, and then Brad Wanamaker is a restricted free agent. None of those guys, to me, scream. You know, Galloway really struggled this year, if I recall. Um, Austin Rivers is a limited player. Uh, I don't think we we could really use that skill set. Um, He's a then, shooter. He is a shooter. He's a bad defender. He didn't shoot in in the Lakers series. Like, he was completely absent of that series. Mm -hmm. Anyone think of those guys make any sense in any kind of way to you? Because I'm just going down the list and then we'll get to to guys right now that'll... Galloway is someone that I don't want to talk about as a Rondo replacement. I think when we talk about KCP... Hmm. Next time, I'll make a, a, a an interesting, unique pitch for Galloway. But I okay. see the flaws with him. I don't think we need to touch on him today. Wanamaker, I haven't paid a whole ton of attention to this year. I'm pulling up his data now. Um, good get, getting to the rim guy. F- average finisher at the rim. Good three-point shooting, but on low volume. Uh, from a playmaking standpoint, nothing really there that I'm looking for. Uh, defenses and good. yeah, no, I, I'm not interested in Wanamaker this year. I yeah. one guy I would like to make a pitch for that I think would be a player that only fits in this role because 
Ah, see, this is tough because he doesn't fit in the Rondo role, but I can see him being a useful player. Is Alex Alec Burks? He okay. isn't that primary ball handler. He's more of a secondary ball handler. He's more of that Alex Caruso type guy. He played in a wing stopper defensive role this year, which is not the right role for him. His defensive versatility was a B plus. So he's fairly versatile. That's what we're looking for. His three-point shot making used to be really bad. He had an F. Then the next year, he had a D. Then the next year, he had a C. Then a C plus. Then a B. Then a B plus. This year, was an A minus. And on really, really poor shot quality. So the, his raw three-point percentage may not reflect how good of a shooter he was. But he has steadily gotten better. And he is a pretty good three-point shooter. Much better than, than he used to be a couple of years ago. He has an A minus getting to rim rating. Not the best finisher win there, but that provides value. He he shot on 84th percentile difficulty at the rim, which will likely likely improve if on the Lakers. From a playmaking standpoint, his versatility is high. This tells us he can make all those different types of looks. He has good volume, good quality. His efficiency wasn't all that high, but overall an A minus playmaking talent grade. He is a strong individual rebounder. Um, good on a uh, good off ball defender. He's weaker on ball. So if you take him and put him more in the KCP chaser defensive role, I think he gives you much more on defense than he showed this year as one of that one of those on ball wing stoppers. So maybe I should have talked about him with the KCP pod, but he's somebody that I think is interesting. He's more of a shooting guard than a point guard. Um, but if you have LeBron out there as the point guard, I think Burks could make sense, and you can even play him and Caruso together in lineup so he he's an interesting player that isn't I, I i put him in the wrong pod but he just piques my interest okay yeah um i don't hate it i i actually don't i think he's gonna get paid like not like paid paid but i think it would be like almost the full mle so i just wonder like how many strikeouts do you need before you get to alec burks how many licks does it take to get to the center of that Tootsie Pop, hey, Tim. Uh, the, the projection for him was four to six mil for, for salary. Interesting. Bobby Marks. I, yeah, I, I mean, that's cheaper than I thought it would be. And that okay, makes okay. me so more I'm not alone at least. Yeah. Huh? Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't mind Alec Burks. I just wonder if like another team is going to give him a little bit like an Atlanta or someone who Atlanta is a target for KCP, I think, as well. He's, he's obviously from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he would fit well next to Trey Young. But, and they have plenty of money to spend. And, KCP was a, a major part of a championship team. That's kind of where you see guys. So, I mean, think of that, right? Like, I, well, is KCP going to get paid? Probably. I think he probably could. I think he could come back for the MLE if they want to run it back. But he also missed out on a pretty big contract from Detroit. And they've been chasing that ever since. So, food for thought there. Yeah. Um, another guy here that I think is – okay, I got to get this out of the way. Brandon Knight is on here and uh i forgot he was still in the league can't can't lie that dude suffered some some pretty significant injuries uh back to back if i recall and we haven't really seen him become the the high level scorer that he was when he was playing in phoenix but uh you know he's a 6-2 point guard you can shoot and play make it's kind of the argument for, for reggie jackson the other issue for him is defense you know it's how desperate do you have to get to to think brandon knight is is that option to to fill those guard minutes next to anthony davis yeah he 
isn't somebody I'd want to rely on in the playoffs because of that defense. Like you said, at a high level, he kind of fits the mold for what the Lakers would look for. Can shoot, can get to the rim, can playmake a bit. He's similar to Jackson where his efficiency as a playmaker wasn't very good. Uh, Not a good rebounder, not a good defender, not the most versatile. So if you can get him at the vet minimum as like a deep bench piece, I think he can have a role in the regular season. If if you replace Quinn Cook with Brandon Knight, I'm good with that. Um, yeah, I think I had to. But, but he's, uh, he, he would be, uh, I think, on the lower end of what the Lakers could do if they're looking to replace Rajon Rondo if Rondo leaves. Yeah, okay. Uh, as long as he's not getting the BAE or the, uh, you know, the mid-level, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, moving on to other guys is uh, is the old uh, LeBron James favorite, Shabazz Napier. We obviously know that he was selected by Miami the year that LeBron left. LeBron is well known and loving him. Uh, he has an F three point shot making. Um, not not great percentages, but he can create his own shot. Uh, he had an F in openness and rarely was catching and shooting. What do you think about Shabazz Napier kind of fitting into that, I guess, that Rondo role again? Is, or is he someone who could fit next to Caruso and Rondo? I think he could possibly do I, – I think he'd be more of a, a Rondo fit. Um, like you said, his, his three-point shooting wasn't great. His raw numbers will, will be worse than they probably could have been just because he was – pulling up for all of his threes and he wasn't very open if you give him like you need to turn him into a different kind of three-point shooter which is more off ball catch and shoot that should improve some of the percentages even if he isn't uh making them at at an incredibly high rate he's a good playmaker um he can make those point guard reads uh he isn't generating generating the highest quality looks but he gets the rim he finishes well at the rim but he's another guy that's not versatile. He's only six foot. He's an ISO target. Um, his on-ball defense is really poor. He's pretty active in generating turnovers. He's a good off-ball defender, but I don't know. It's another guy that like some of the pieces are there, but not all of the pieces are there to the point that I would rather run back Rondo because um, I don't want Shabazz Napier as my point of attack defender so he'll probably go pretty cheap he's another guy that like if the lakers picked him up as a bench depth piece i'd be okay with but i wouldn't want him as that primary replacement for rajan rondo yeah i agree with that um you know as you go further down this this bobby marks list it it gets rough pretty quick you know um got michael carter williams at 14 these are all minimum guys starting now shabazz napier tyler johnson della vadova evan turner Gary Payton, you know, it, it gets rough pretty fast. And there's some veterans on that list, but not anyone that really, to me, screams uh, even a, a 14th player. At that point, I'd probably rather have Quinn Cook over a couple of these guys. But there are a couple guys I want to get to first is, is outside chances, right? And two guys that the Laker fans will know uh, to some degree are Darren Collison and Jordan Clarkson. You know, Darren Collison, it was talked about he might come back last year just before the buyout market ended, but he did not. We did some research on at LFR on him and how he could have uh, helped this team, like especially in the pick and roll. Uh, it's still intriguing. And you'd have to think he'd probably get a good portion of that at MLE as well. Uh, so what do you think about a guy like Darren Collison coming back and fitting in probably as a Rondo replacement? I I think you could play both because if you do get him, I do think you could start, you know, start Collison 
and and still bring Rondo off the bench. Yeah, I think so. I, I do think the Lakers have a little bit of a logjam at guard, so keeping both I think would be challenging both financially and then also from a minutes standpoint. If you are keeping both, if, if it, let's say Rondo signs for the BAE, if you do get Collison for about the MLE, then you have no opportunity to upgrade from KCP or potentially even keep KCP. So mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I don't think we'd quite see that. But if you, you did bring him in, assuming he hasn't diminished much over the past year, you've got some three, you've got a little bit of perimeter defense. He's a playmaker. He can run the pick and roll. Not the best defender, but he's the type of guy that I was very interested in last season as a, as a good fit. And I think my analysis would stay the same. He, he, I'd take him if he's willing to come. He's maybe the most versatile guy um, on, as far as being like jack of all trades. He's not amazing at any one thing, but he's good enough at many things that make him like a very enticing player for versatility purposes as far as like what lineups and what – like he could play next to Caruso as well, you know. Um, and that, that backcourt I think could do do okay defensively. Mm-hmm. So the other guy is uh, is Jordan Clarkson. And he's probably a little bit out of the Lakers' price range. But let's say, you know, he was a Laker once. The Lakers are back into uh, contention. And maybe he takes the MLE as a as a KCP replacement. Now, Jordan Clarkson is is that spark plug off the bench, right? He's going to come in and get buckets. That's what his his role has been. Um, he can create shots. He's, he's a score first guy who can make some plays his concern obviously is defense um so does that make sense as a kcp replacement too i guess this is becoming a kcp pod but uh clarkson i gotta say i don't hate it as much as i thought i would he's better than he used to be and that that helps he's a legit three-point shooter now a minus three-point shot making a three-point shot creation he can, you know, make his own shot. He can create his own shots. He'll hit him not. He'll knock him down in a pick and roll. He can pop those pull up threes, which changes the way you need to defend him as a, as a as a ball screen attacker. He is still that score first guy that can have a tendency not to pass, which is something we remember being frustrated with in the past. So that's still quite there. Um, from a playmaking standpoint. He's he's certainly gotten better, I would say. Uh, like you said, the concern is still defense with him, but as a bench piece, I don't know. He's he, like you said, he's a spark plug. He can just he had a gold microwave badge for us at B Ball Index, which oh. are the top guys off the bench that can just come in and just drop points. Um, he's actually been a pretty consistent performer, and we have a, a metric looking at that. So that makes me feel a little bit better about him than than what he used to do. Uh, he has that mid-range game going a little bit. He has a silver teardropper badge. He'll hit those floaters. Um, he finishes pretty well at the rim through contact. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can see I could see the pros with him. We already know the cons as Laker fans, and some of those are, are still there. Like you said, he's probably out of our price range. But if he were to land on the team, I think you can certainly find a role for him that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's it's lower on my things went super duper wrong list than I thought it would be because he can provide you some things. I at some point though I do feel like and we're just talking free agents solely here, right? Uh, if you're gonna get a Jordan Clarkson, like you might as well trade for Derrick Rose because you kind of balance out 
look at your roster a little bit, you know, if you can do a two for one there or, um, you know, get rid of a couple of these guards or extra spots to maybe get another minimum player. Uh, to me, you know, just, I'd rather have Rose, you know, than than Clarkson. They're kind of uh, comparable players there. So, uh, what do you think about that? Like, would you have rather have Rose or Clarkson? I think I'd rather have. I mean, as a player, I'd rather have Rose with mm-hmm. signing Clarkson versus trading for Rose. I guess I'd rather have Clarkson. Okay. Because um, if we're getting Rose, we're probably giving up Kuz. We're giving up a, a first round pick in the future or the guy that we end up signing with that. So, I don't know. Bigger picture, I think keeping Kuz and then adding Clarkson could be overall more of a net than trading away some assets to go after Rose, who is a worse three-point shooter, and that's where he becomes a a tough fit with what the Lakers want to do. Okay. So, I I purposely left this guy last, Tim, because I want to clear the lane out for you. We're going to wrap up our our pod here about the guard rotation free agent options, but... You, you did a quite the thread on this guy a couple days ago, and I wanted to, to clear the lane for you to, to kind of go, go all in for Jordan McLaughlin. He's good. He's not great, but, but he's good. <laughs> you could do worse. I, I swear you could do worse. He is – okay, so he's probably going to get a minimum deal. He's a restricted free agent, but he's probably going to get the minimum. Um I don't know if you can get him away from Minnesota. He was their backup point guard by the end of the year. Like he, his minutes increased, his impact increased. He got better throughout the year, and he carved out like a real role for them. And I think he'll be a legitimate piece in their rotation. That if they were a higher end team, you'd be like, oh wow, this guy's a really good bargain for the minimum. Um, he has very clear skill sets. He is a good three point shooter. He gets to the rim really well, 91st percentile. He finishes well at the rim. He's got a B minus there. He is a good playmaker. His volume's high. His efficiency is 98th percentile. His versatility is in that second tier. His quality is a B plus. His playmaking grade overall, 94th percentile. He defensive rebounds like not great but uh given this like all the different contextual factor contextual contextual factors um he's a b plus defensive rebounding rate plus minus he's a very active perimeter defender he's winning loose balls he's picking people's pockets he's he's playing the passing lanes um all those steals all those deflections all of that's there he he's he has some badges. Um, he has a bronze giant slayer badge, meaning that he finishes well over like taller guys. He's got a gold unpluckable badge, meaning that like players aren't picking his pocket when he has the ball. Um, all of that said, he's six feet tall, and he's someone that you can go after on the defensive end. He's not versatile. He's had generally easier matchups this year. Um, I mean, if you can steal him and throw him on the end of the bench instead of a Quinn Cook or a Deion Waiters, like, I think there's way more upside than with those guys. And he does things that a lot of these other vets can do and has similar weaknesses as those vets. He's just so just not well known that that he should be getting more recognition for what he's able to provide. His weaknesses are real. I think his weaknesses hurt you in the playoffs. Um there are ways you can try to work around that but overall i don't know i just want to give him a shout out i don't think he's the best fit for the lakers i think he'll be a good fit for somebody and i think i would love to see another team go out and poach him and pay him four million a year to develop into a good player um but i don't know a little anticlimactic but he's he's good He's good at stuff. You can do worse. No, no. We got to end with the annual, like, Tim, this is the market inefficiency guy. Because uh, that's that's your brand, man. 
He's short. That's his problem. If he were like three inches taller, I'd be all about him. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the Minnesota roster right now, and you know, you have to wonder where they think they are as a franchise with the number one pick, who they take there, if it's a Lamella Ball or an Anthony Edwards. You know, they only have two point guards on the roster right now, and D'Angelo Russell and Jordan McLaughlin. So you wonder if they try to go in and, and get a free agent or get someone in free agency, his cap hold could be renounced, and you never know. You know, he he could be an on the bubble of the roster guy for them. Um, He's fun. But, if they're bad yeah. at defense, which they probably will be, he'll be a fun yeah. piece of that. Sure. Maybe a good fantasy piece if they end up bringing him back to Minnesota and yeah. it, don't it, have anybody behind him. If they don't draft a point guard, he's probably going to be their backup point guard given the yeah. other point guard options available. So he, yeah. from a fantasy standpoint, he would be worth a flyer because he'll probably get the minutes. And when he got the minutes last year, he played pretty well. Is he the kind of guy that you think could fill that um, that Anthony Davis bench guard rotation role? Like pick and roll, spot of shooting. You think he's the kind of guy that could fit next to AD? Yeah, I think he can make it work. The, the issue with him is just the defense. If you can live with poor defense, but he brings shooting, he brings finishing, he brings playmaking, and he's active as a perimeter defender, and he can generate turnovers, help the Lakers play fast. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that works. He's just not somebody you want like out there switching on the guys. Right on. So I guess just quickly here, kind of projecting, I guess, what we think might happen. Um, do you so I think Rondo will opt out and get the BAE. And then I really I do think KCP will return for the mid-level. But you know, maybe he gets we do have early bird rights on him. So they could give him a little bit of a raise, I believe. But then they would be going into the tax, and yeah, I'm not a cap expert. I know it. I know it loosely. What What do you think is going to shake out with all of this? Is your best prediction? So I would bet that KCP dem- it, it would consider the MLE for the Lakers or make more money somewhere else. I think Ronda will opt out, and he in the. La- I think the Lakers will give him the the biannual exception and be happy with it, and. After looking through all these guys and discussing them, I think I'd be happy with it too. Uh, if Dragic doesn't come, who on this list that we talked about do you want over Rajon Rondo playing Rajon Rondo's role? Because I know we talked uh, we touched on a couple guys that are more a KCP kind of guy. I mean, it's tough, but it would probably be Augustine for the price range. It just completely changes your identity. Like I said, with with Rondo improvising and, and Augustine operating in a set offense. But a set offense is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, having something to fall back on when, you know, you're struggling to get a shot up and having DJ Augustine shooting, especially. Um, yeah. I just once Rondo made threes, he we were a different team. Yeah. The so, the, the thing with Rondo is does he have a similar jump this next year like he did this year? Right. Like if he's gonna be like a minus two PIPM guy, which is like really poor bent like low bench caliber impact you live with it in the regular season because you're going to probably be the one or two seed anyway and it's right. fine and you have other guards but once you get to the playoffs and and you do need him to provide that bench playmaking can he make the gigantic jump that he did next year he hasn't before and i think we should give him full credit for the jump that he made this year because it was much needed he definitely helped us win the title but he's never like playoff rondo has exist but never to this extent yeah. um 
So it's I, I understand why he made the jump, but the degree to which he made that jump, along with some maybe some lucky shooting, uh, allowed him to do what he did this year. I don't know if you want to bank on that next year compared to I don't know. See, the thing is, there just aren't many other good guys out there. August, well, if, if the Lakers sign Augustine and play him like Rondo, Augustine's not going to do that well, no, I don't think. No. You need you would, like you said, you need to change that the identity of that second group. And Vogel's never been, and his staff has never really been that like high caliber X's and O's staff. It's been very yeah. vanilla. And this past year they let the just kind of like the talent take over, but they ran enough and they ran the right things in the right times to help the team. But from a just a volume of set standpoint, it wasn't there with that second unit. Well, and DJ Augustine isn't I know, I mean, respect to DJ Augustine, but he's not going to replace the strategy and tactical advantage that gives you from Rondo. Mm-hmm. You know, again, all that stuff from I've heard Polinka on Woj's pod, Vogel on Zach Lowe's pod talking about how important Rondo is in key moments. Like, no, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to guard Jimmy Butler. And having him, he, LeBron, and Frank Vogel on the same team is a major advantage. And I think they'll do whatever they can within reason to bring Rondo back. I do think that's a priority for them uh, as far as to – he just meant so much to this team in the playoffs and more than I think any of us really suspected. Yep. Yeah. So. And for the people going after me for for – what, what, one of the one guy said to me the other day, like your your apology needs to be just as strong as the disrespect. Like there's no oh, disrespect. R- like Rondo was bad. He was bad. He was just yes. bad. You, if yes. you think Rondo was this good all year long, you, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, he he was bad. Um, so I don't know if if you can take a good longest look at him, and and we could expect some jump in the playoffs. It wasn't going to be this kind of jump. So I don't yeah. know. I, I don't I don't uh, buy into that sort of analysis. If your belief on a player is a certain way and you don't change it, no matter what the film is telling you, no matter what the data is telling you, and you can't just use data as a boogeyman. Like some guys, sure. guys sometimes guys play poorly, and you need to recognize that and be able to adjust. And then if they get better, they get better. If they get worse, they get worse. But digging in and, and having that, you're locking in that take, having that take lock, it's just not a good process. Yeah. It just tells me a lot of these people never played too. Not like I played in some professional setting, but like if you ever play it seriously in any kind of organization, like, come on, man. This is so like how the, this is the game. You get hot, you get cold, mm-hmm. you, you have a mean, right? You have a baseline that you kind of operate from, but it's just, that's the human element of this stuff. And, and data does a good job at, at, you know, compiling it all together and giving you context outside of the human element. Right. So you always have to kind of consider both and it doesn't all happen in a vacuum. But I'm I'm happy with where the guard rotation is at on this team. Um, Obviously, getting KCP back is a a big part of this. But, you know, even if they lose him, I think that they can replace some of his his output and through through combining a couple of different guys. Yeah. And one last pitch for Burks is that his top play type this past season was running the pick and roll, and he was very efficient with it. And I did not realize that. Let me see how he did last year. Last year, he was really bad at it. Wonderful. Okay. If he, I, well, I mean, I'd bring him in for a workout. I think he is a good... I think he's a good player. I think if he can bring you any sort of pick and roll ball handling with the passing from that, that's your that's a great fit because a lot of what else he brings with the versatile defense and the three pointer being there and getting to the rim being there, he's the one guy that I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into. But I think could potentially be 
he, he could rise from seemingly nowhere for the Lakers. Well, let's talk about him again in more depth soon. Uh, I'm kind of wrapping up here. Yeah, I just wonder if we can kind of moneyball those KCP, uh, you know, salary. Because if Burks is four to six million, you know, that's that's you know at least half of what I think KCP is expected to get. Mm-hmm. So it's at least worth considering and diving deeper into him and uh, and KCP coming up soon. So catch us next time. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with Alex Regla. And and coming up. Uh, so. If you so we have Alex on Wednesday on Friday I think we're gonna go over uh, we're gonna introduce some new B-ball index stats um, next week we have a Monday Wednesday Friday schedule but also this week on actually tonight so if you're listening to this if if we get it out in time and you're able to listen uh, tune in tonight on the Discord if you're in the Discord at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. I'll be breaking down some of the X's and O's, just some general takeaways, my my tenets of scheme, as I call them, where there are five key things I think a good offense should use and look like. And I have some video examples of the Lakers and some other teams exhibiting those things. So if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy learning those X's and O's and the tactics and all of that, it would be a great, it should only take like 20, 30 minutes, I think. Um, I was planning to do it yesterday, but then there was the World Series game, so I decided to move it. Um, So tune in tonight. And then also actually yesterday we did another live stream where I went over a couple free agent options and we walked through their B-Ball Index player profiles, pulled up like their synergy pages, pulled up some other data that hasn't even been released yet to the public on B-Ball Index. So if you you do join that Discord, and all you need to do to join is send us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Even if you listen on like Spotify or Google Podcasts, you should be able to download that app or, or find iTunes and write that review. Give us that rating. Just DM that to me on Twitter at Tim underscore MBA. We'll throw you in the Discord and we're chatting draft. We're chatting free agents. We're breaking down more guys than the, the two of us are able to really talk to at length on, on this podcast. Um, so it's just another layer deep and you get exposure to each of those live streams and all that stuff. So lots of good stuff ahead. Please join that community. I think we have like 50 people in there already. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's grown pretty well. And I, I think as we figure out what a good rhythm looks like, we can add in some cool stuff exclusive to that group. Maybe in the future we do a live stream podcast or something like that. I don't know. So come join us, have some fun. Uh, it's cool to, to talk Lakers without having other team fans looking over your shoulders and being like, ah, these losers, they think this guy's good or something like that. It's a safe place. Safe place. Yep. All right. That was good stuff, man. Uh, I'll try and pop in tonight and try to, try to check out what you're doing. So, uh, but yeah, until next time, uh, we're the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast, and we'll, we'll catch you guys next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.